today on Ag News Daily. One of the things I analyze when I look at all the social media posts from the agricultural world, that majority of the content that gets put out by agriculture is just watched by other agricultural people. So trying to figure out how do we connect it Happy Friday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr. And Ashton, it's a happy Friday for us. It's not a happy Friday for President Trump. And I don't mean to speak lightly of that or make a joke, but he has been tested positive for COVID-19. Yeah, I woke up and saw that news come through on the news app that I just have on my phone. And of course, I've been scrolling through social media and I actually saw a TikTok that was talking about President Trump testing positive for COVID-19. And they were kind of, you know, accusing him of, you know, maybe using this to just get out of debates and, and working this in his favor, whatever way possible. And so I was, you know, curious to see how other folks are viewing this. Yeah, I've heard a lot of mixed reactions. I've heard people saying it was fake news, which I really don't know what President Trump would have to gain by saying he tested positive. But one thing I do know is that this really rattled the markets today. We saw oil and gold react after the news that he had tested positive. Brent crude oil slipped as much as 5.1%, lowest level since June. Uh, We saw West Texas intermediate crude futures slump again, about five and a half percent. Let's see here. Gold was actually up on the day on the news of President Trump's COVID case. And we also saw palm oil futures fall to their lowest level in more than a month on news that he is tested positive for COVID-19. So the markets are definitely reacting to that news. Um, I'm sure... He has the top folks, top doctors and stuff working with him. So uh, I don't know what there is necessarily to be concerned about, but the markets were absolutely a little concerned on that news today. Well, Delaney, one thing that I have been concerned about today is following along with the phase one trade deal with China. And of course, for the past several weeks, we've been talking about how China may fall short of annual agriculture product purchasing commitments made in that phase one trade deal. And USDA Secretary Sonny Perdue has come out and said that it might be due to non-agricultural trade issues. And I have a quote here from Purdue saying, I'm not sure they're going to make it, but they're trying. Non-agricultural trade issues get in the way. And it is unclear which trade issues Purdue believed are obstacles in the agreement. And a series of issues have emerged since the phase one trade deal was implemented. And the article that I read actually said that it included the threat of the U.S. ban on TikTok and an executive order signed by President Trump ending preferential economic treatment for Hong Kong. I definitely thought it was interesting just because of how non-agricultural issues have affected the phase one trade deal. But I don't know if we will see Sonny Purdue come out and say a little bit more and give a little bit more clarity on what specific details he's talking about, but definitely was keeping my eye out on that today. Yeah, that's interesting that uh, they're upset about TikTok and other things. I guess I hadn't noticed that in the news. I mean, I knew that 
we had threatened to ban it, but I don't think we can actually do that anyways. But, you know, I, I hope that one of the trade deals they're not talking about is China, because actually we've seen China continue to say, stay at the buying table. This week, the U.S. sold about 1.3 million metric tons of soybeans to China for the week September 18th through the 24th, following the previous weeks, of course, 1.9 million tons. So these new trade numbers, of course, were released on Thursday in the export sales numbers to show physical sales. And we are seeing China not only buy them, but also physically ship U.S. corn and soybeans over to uh, their country there to use them. So um, China has purchased but not yet imported about 18 or excuse me, about 17.4 million tons of soybeans for the 2020-2021 marketing year. So still quite a bit of sales they've purchased that haven't gotten shipped, but still a, a big chunk of them have. So for this trade deal, Delaney, I just one quick question. Is it just at the end of the year they're supposed to make all of these purchases or is there a certain deadline? Yeah, that's a good question. So phase one was basically split up into two years worth of purchases, if you will. So the first one started in the 2020 uh, 2019 marketing year. And then the second one started in the 2020-2021 marketing year. So I believe now we're technically in year two of those purchases. I, I believe that they were congruent with marketing years, but that's actually a great question I should probably look into to make sure that it wasn't congruent with actual calendar years. But to my understanding, it's congruent with marketing years. So we would be technically in the second phase of the phase one trade agreement, if that makes sense. It does. There's just so much to try and wrap your head around with that. But one other thing that is, it's so hard to wrap your head around is the COVID-19 relief. There's been so many funds and, and, and whatnot to follow along with. But Rob Scott, a regional administrator with the U.S. Small Business Administration, says farms and other businesses will likely see additional COVID-19 relief. And he was actually quoted as saying, there's still work to be done. There's got to be more economic relief coming down from the president. And Scott says that he knows the administration is discussing several possible options, um, some things that he he was quoted as saying was that there he thinks that there's a possible PPP two, and he knows that there's some USDA programs and and whatnot, and he thinks that there's might be another stimulus coming down. But one thing that I was keeping my eye on today in terms of COVID nineteen relief is the U.S. House has passed its amended version of its Heroes Act. It's the Heroes Part Two, and I touched on it earlier this week. And it's about a trillion dollars less than the original HEROES Act that was passed in May. The National Farmers Union President Rob LaRue says it has many provisions members requested during the NFU legislative fly-in, including support for local and regional meat processing, the U.S. Postal Service, farm stress programs, and nutrition assistance. And so... I was glad to see that the U.S. House has passed this, but the $2.2 trillion package is not expected to pass in the Senate. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, who has been in talks with Speaker Pelosi this week, reportedly offered a $1.6 trillion proposal with fewer unemployment benefits than the House bill. Yeah, I have been watching this as well. And... 
you're right. It, it's not expected to pass the Senate. Uh, if it does pass the Senate, it's probably going to be a much more scaled down version. But the other thing here to keep in mind, Ashton, is that soon Congress heads into a recess until mid-November during election season. So they will be recessing soon. And so there's a lot of pressure on the Senate now to get this passed or at least decided, is this going to get passed? Is this going to you know, get kicked to the side? We don't know, but they don't have very much longer to decide what to do next. They certainly don't, and I'm anxious to see if if we will be getting another, you know, relief package, but we will just have to wait and see until they do go into that recess, Delaney. But other than that, I'm all out of news. What else are you watching today? I tell you what, I am all out of news as well, other than watching the markets today, Ashton. What do you say we get to it? Let's do it. Well, let's start things off here in the corn contract, but again... Most of the commodities have reacted in some form or another to the news that President Trump has tested positive for COVID-19, including the grains markets. We decide. In the corn contract, the December contract losing three pennies today to close at 379 and three quarters, the March down two and three quarters cent to close at 389 and a quarter. In the soybean pits, the November contract down two and three quarters cents to close at 1020 and three quarters, the January down two and a half to close at 1024 and three quarters. Wheat was the only one today who seemed not to care about the news of President Trump's recent test positive as the December contract added three cents to close at 573 and a quarter, the March up three as well to close at 5.79 and a half. In the livestock pits, the October live cattle contract shedding 35 cents today to close at 108.17. The December down 72 and a half cents to close at 111.10. In the feeder cattle pits, October shedding a dollar oh two and a half to close at 139.90. The November down a dollar 37 and a half to close at 139.87 and a half. In the lean hog pits, again, some mixed trading today as the October contract added 35 cents to close at 74.50. The December down 35 cents to close at 62.50. And rounding out our markets with the class three dairy milk futures, October adding 12 cents to close at 2013. November adding 16 cents to close at 19.30. Without further ado, Ashton, why don't you tell us who we're talking to for today's interview? Today, we are talking to mental health and agriculture advocate, Hank Wade. Well, happy Fri-yay, folks. And today for our Fri-yay episode, we have Hank Wade, who is a firefighter turned advocate. That's actually, you know, what you say in your bio on Twitter, Hank. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. So I was, you know, you have the Hank Wade blog, hankwade.com, and you, you mentioned that you're, of course, a military veteran and that you have also been a firefighter, but now you are a turned advocate. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background and what that journey looked like for you into to being the advocate that you are today? Uh, well, so I started off, I was born and raised in California, Northern California, and my father was a firefighter and I became a firefighter. So basically from day one, I was always around the volunteer fire department. It was a small rural fire department. Uh, I can remember being six years old, my eye out 
running around in fields playing while they were burning a house down for practice. Like it was second nature kind of thing. Uh, just got older, got it, went into the Air Force, uh, got stationed here at Offutt Air Force Base in Omaha, Nebraska, and met my wife uh, in upstate. So I've been here in Nebraska since 1994 now. And uh, But I, when I got here, I joined the volunteer fire department in Bellevue. So I had been firefighting almost all my life. And at the age of 38, I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and asthma. And I had to give up the firefighting world because it was no longer safe for me to do so. And that took a huge mental toll on me because firefighting was the one thing I was really, really passionate about. It was what I love to do. I always talked about it. My friends would be annoyed because all I did was talk about the fire department. And uh, that really was a very hard time for me. And it took years for me to get out of that dark hole. And how I got out of that dark hole was I, I needed something to focus on uh, to become passionate about. So I started doing some woodworking, trying to do stuff just to keep my mind off of off my mental status. And I found that learning about woodworking and designing things in my head kind of really helped me focus on that. Well, I was in my shed. I was listening to, I needed something to listen to while I was doing the woodworking. And I don't do sports talk stuff and I can't do politics. So I found the rural radio on XM Satellite Radio. And I started listening about people talking about agricultural. And I believe it was about the fall time. So they're kind of just getting into harvest. So there were so many great shows to listen to. Uh, Everything from the, the science of what, is used to grow crops and animals. And and there's so much stuff to learn. And that's when I started hearing some of the podcasts come out about people or in the agriculture world that had suffered, you know, through mental health and what they did to get through it and the help that was out there. Uh, And that was part of the problem when I was going through my deal, I didn't realize there was any help for someone like me. I always just assumed, you know, you know, there's a national suicide hotline. But I always thought that was just for people who are already on the edge that, you know, they're they're wanting to end their life and they call that for help. I wasn't to that point, but I was just needed something to help me along to realize what I was feeling was okay and it was normal. I truly felt this was just something I was going through and I was probably the only one in the whole world to ever feel these kind of feelings. Had no clue. So I started learning about agricultural and the mental health world. And the more I learned, the more it healed me knowing there was help, it was normal. And I kind of got this aha moment where I want to help people in agriculture because there was, there's a huge need in the agricultural world for mental health awareness. You know, I don't have any intention on becoming a counselor or a, really a professional as they would call it. But learn that I really would love to help spread the word about mental health awareness, suicide awareness. And so I've begun taking training and classes and stuff to make myself better at that. Uh, I took a QPR class to learn how to talk to someone who is suicidal. And I created the blog and I, I've made just such wonderful, wonderful friends through the agriculture community that have the same, the same mission of wanting to spread the message. You know, Hank, I definitely think that what folks like you and, you know, like Jason Meadows, who is on the Ag State of Mind podcast on the Global Ag Network, 
what, what you guys are doing is definitely needed because I feel like there's such a stigma around mental health in the rural agriculture community. So I, I really appreciate what you're doing. But I, I want to take things to the Agriculture Education Center tab that you have on your website. Since you don't really have a heavy background in agriculture, where do you get these resources to you know, put on the center and to really educate yourself? Mostly, it's just either word of mouth, but largely it's just going out on the internet and researching different websites. Uh, I took the uh, Masters of Beef Advocacy class through the beef, uh, I don't know what they call it, the beef checkoff or whatever they is, but, uh, and they have a wonderful website of lots of information about getting information out about beef and its nutritional value and kind of so i just i borrow a lot of stuff from that and i always make sure i reference where i got my information from the website and so forth and uh, i just kind of scour the internet looking for different things and i try to spend time vetting that information to make sure that information is correct that i'm not you know helping spread misinformation out there and uh, i just kind of look at my own personal life i am not a farmer i am a military uh contractor i work for the Air Force. So I kind of just ask myself, what is something I don't know about agricultural or about beef or what is something I don't know about crops? And I just try to put that information on the website because the agricultural advocacy part, I'm trying to aim more for connecting the consumer with the producer and uh, helping to close that gap. Because I look at my own kids, you know, they have no idea where a lot of this stuff even comes from that they eat. They just know we go to the grocery store and buy it. So I'm hoping that maybe since I'm and I am a city person that I can help connect city folks to get to that website and maybe learn a little bit more about where their estate comes from or what the local crops, you know, we can drive down the and see the farmers taking the fields out. But what happens to that stuff? Where does that go? What's the, what, what does corn get made into or soybeans? And so that's kind of my goal with that. You you make a, a a nice point that you know you are a city guy and I think a lot of the agriculture advocates that we do see are a lot of people who grew up on farms or in rural communities. So are you seeing more folks that are following you know your journey and your blog? Are they more you know urban or city folk um, and trying to to make that connection along with you? Yeah. Um, I suppose I, I think one of the things I analyze when I look at all the social media posts from the agricultural world, that majority of the content that gets put out by agriculture is just watched by other agricultural people. So I'm trying to figure out how do we connect it and draw in non-agricultural people to watch these videos, the YouTube videos that are out there. And a lot of times when agricultural social media stuff is produced, it's in agricultural language. So if you're a non-farmer, it doesn't really help. If you don't know the language of what people are talking about, you lose interest in watching any of those videos. So I'm hoping to create a site that will break down that language into layman's terms. Uh, I think a lot of agriculture people forget that if you're trying to produce content for someone who's not a farmer, you have to speak like a city person. You have to, you know, get down to the level. You can't speak at them at a high level as an other farmer would understand. So that's my goal with that is to try to break down some of that. 
I can say as somebody who did grow up in a more rural community, and I do have an agriculture background, it is really just an animal production. So when I started coming on the podcast and talking a lot more about crop production and policy, I even had to kind of ask, you know, Delaney to put it in in layman's terms, because it is so hard to understand even being and in, in the industry. So I definitely see, you know, where the need is for that. And I definitely appreciate, you know, people like you who are trying to make that happen. But I want to talk about Ag Mental Health Week here for a minute. And that's coming up, of course, on October 10th through the 16th, which is the end of next week is, you know, when Ag Mental Health Week starts. So what are you most looking forward to during that week? Because I know there's a lot of conversations that are going to be going on, a lot of, you know, virtual events. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and, and what you're going to do to participate. Uh, I, I think the greatest thing will be just helping get the information out there. Uh, one, of, one of my goals would be to make, I want to make mental health awareness just as common as, you know, if you're driving down the road and you come up on a car wreck, what do you do? You call 911. That's how you get the help coming, right? So you don't have to be a firefighter nurse to help save someone's life. You just have to know to call 911. Well, I want the same thing for mental health. If you struggle, come, if you come across a coworker, a family member, just some stranger on the street that you could tell us struggling. I want the conversation to be normal and I want it to be okay to say, hey, are you okay? Do you need help? Can I get you some help? And if the person says yes, I want you to be able to know who to call because that's the problem right now is I could see if I, if, if you and I were in a diner and I come over and I see you're just crying at the table, something's wrong. Uh, maybe you just lost a real loved one or something. And I say, hey, are, are you okay? And you say, no, I'm not. You know, that's kind of where the conversation ends. Not a lot of us know what to do next. And that's why I've advanced with like the QPR training. So, okay, well, let me sit down. You know, can I sit down? Can I talk to you? Can I get you some help? Can I get you to call someone? And those are the conversations we need to happen. And I'm hoping that this week coming up, we can spread a lot of that information around and, and make it less uncomfortable for people to talk about mental health and get people to know uh, there are local resources. You know, when before 911 was a thing, everyone had a little piece of paper by the phone of the local fire department number, the police number, you know, the hospital, poison control, whatever it be. You know, we need that same kind of thing for mental health. We need people to know who they can call and when to call. Absolutely. Hank, and I just have, you know, one more question for you before we wrap this up. And it's just where our listeners can find you on social media and maybe drop the name to your website just one more time so they can go and check out what you're doing and follow along. So the website is hankwade.com. And on there, there's a contact page that has uh, my Facebook, my Instagram, and my Twitter. I probably spend most of my time on Twitter. And on Twitter, I'm Henry 68157 is the actual how you find me, even though it says Hank Wade on there. It's, it was, I built that long before Hank Wade was a thing. Uh, on Instagram and Facebook, you can always request to be my friend. I have Instagram locked down because it seems like Instagram gets a lot of weird uh, following people. So I try to filter those out, but uh, I'm not trying to hide anything. So please, you know, I, as many friends as possible, the more people we can get, talking about this uh, and more I can connect the farmer to the non-farmer in the long run, it's just going to be better for all of us. 
Absolutely. Well, folks, again, that was Hank Wade. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Big thank you again there to Hank for coming on the podcast today. And, you know, I've never really thought about an agriculture advocate who really doesn't have a background in agriculture. So he made a really nice point and something that I definitely want to continue thinking about, about, you know, city city folk transitioning into understanding agriculture. But I, I really liked what Hank was doing, and I'm definitely going to follow along with his blog, as should our listeners. Absolutely. They should follow along with that. He's got a great story. Sounds like he's just got an interesting perspective. You know, not growing up in ag is a little different. Being a fireman, he's got some cool things to share. So do follow along with Hank. But you can also follow along with us because we're always sharing great stories like Hank's and others related to the world of agriculture. You can find us at agnewsdaily.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at agnewsdaily. Ashton, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.